Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junya Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. And if you're a returning listener, thank you once again for giving me your divided attention. I use that term carefully because it's I've used it over several episodes and it's going to play a part in today's conversation. We're going to speak about divided attention. So if you guys like the things that we do here, first things first, if you guys like what we do here, please feel free to donate. This show runs on viewer support, listener support for this show to continue and for it to expand. It's going to need that. So, you know, there, there, there have been many, I've been speaking to several different people who do uh, original content and commentary, and some of them, they shy away from shaking their tin cup, their tin can, saying, hey, um, can you please donate to the show? I don't have a problem with that because I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I come from a line of people who don't like to ask for money because they're not salesmen. My mom was not a businesswoman. My, my father was not a businesswoman. I don't come from a business uh, background. But me, I realized that I have more of a business, I have more business proclivities than the, than the stock that I originated from. And I realized that to get things done on this planet, such as it's presently constructed, you let your intentions be known and you let your value be known. And you let the world know, hey, listen, I'm here and I'm here to provide a service and that service has a value to it. You know what I mean? So there are some people that I spoke to that do content. They go, oh, I kind of shy away. I don't really like asking my viewers about that because they're bombarded by commercials and this, that and the third. And I don't want to be that guy. I said, OK, that's fair. And I understand that. But I also can counter and say. You do this, correct? Would you like to get paid for this or not? And they go, yes. I said, if you were to receive a living wage to do this, would you stop doing almost everything else you're doing in your life and focus on this? And they said, absolutely. Each one of them said the same thing. I said, so why are you not doing your level best to make this the thing that sustains you, that drives everything else around you, that puts gas in your car, that puts the heat in your home, that pays for the home and the food in the refrigerator. Why wouldn't you? If this is something that you're not just doing for ish and giggles, it's something that you would actually give up all the other things that you're doing for doing to do this. They don't want to do this as a hobby. They want to do this full time, but they're doing these other jobs they hate and then in the meantime, in their free time, they're doing this endeavor that they love. So I said, why don't you flip that? And they, and they looked at me and they said, you know what, June, maybe you're right. They're not comfortable. But guess what? I am. I am comfortable. This is a platform that I would like to expand over the next couple of months and couple of years. This is going to be a foundational piece of a diversified media portfolio that we're building from the ground up from the ground up. I'm learning as I go along too how to become more independent in this sphere because you know, for you guys to listen to me, you're listening to me on various other streaming platforms. It'd be great if I had my own streaming platform. 
That's not being naive. You don't need $100 million to do that. I don't need to go to Silicon Valley and pitch to a bunch of venture capitalists my idea for streaming. It'll be just for my stuff. I don't want to stream <clears throat> everybody's stuff just for me. Maybe just something that's mine that I create. And to do that, you're going to need funding. And I would much rather go to the people that are already invested in my content. And, and those people are the people who view. Every time I post, I, I see how many views I get or listens I get immediately. And I go, oh, okay. Or I check after a month or two. I go, oh, okay. I see what people like. I see what people aren't that interested in or what they are interested in. So I, I reach out to them directly. This is DTC, direct to consumer or direct to listener. As opposed to me going to outside sources that may want to dictate and create certain parameters as to what I can or can't say, which would be quite challenging because I guess if you guys know me so far, you see I don't have a problem airing out what I think on these airwaves that everyone can hear. And I've and I've received um, mixed reviews on some of the things that I've discussed. And I've openly said, please feel free to email me contact me and even your grievances will be discussed in some way shape or form in future episodes and I've kept my promise and I've done that hence the reason why the people who were aggrieved at some of the things that I've said they still listen they still go you know what I respect the fact that you addressed it that you didn't back away from the confrontation I said I've, I don't remember ever backing away from confrontation it's not what I do respectfully and this is, this is important because this is an ongoing conversation. And in conversations, there are counters to ideas. There are counters to things that people posit. So why, why in the hell, if I'm, if I'm trying to open up a dialogue, why would I not address people's uh, uh, concerns? You know, so I take the applause and the applauding and the lauding and all things in between in stride. It's all part of the process. It's all part of being communicative creatures, verbal creatures, as we are, intellectuals, okay, intelligent, sentient beings, so to speak. So with all of that being said, please feel free, if you like what we do here, please feel free to donate. Our Cash App, if you use Cash App, our Cash App is dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. That's dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U, June Bow. Our Venmo is also Junebo. So I'm Junebo at Venmo or Venmo at Junebo. However you want to do it. Our Zelle is JuniaBoBrun at gmail.com. That's J-U-N-Y-A-B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N at gmail.com. If you have difficulties spelling the name, just look at the name that's on the, uh, on the show. Look at the show title and you'll see my first name and my last name. And, um... You'll be all set. Also, thank you guys for purchasing all the products at ChavezHouse.com. If you go to Amazon and type in Chavez House Publishing, that's Chavez with an S, by the way. You type that in and you look at all the offerings from either Chavez House Publishing or Lenore Batista. And you will see over 100 different kinds of decorative notebooks, journals, Workout logs, daily logs, gratitude journals, self-affirmation self notebooks, everyone from 8 to 80, whether you're in grade school or grad school, can enjoy these books. They make for great gifts. They make for great travel companions every day. You should be writing down a lot of the things that are going on during your day, during your day. Don't wait till the end of the day. But there's a great journal called the Gratitude Journal. 
that has certain affirmations for the beginning of the day and certain affirmations for the end of the day. And it brings it all together in a cogent fashion. So, so your day, you become the master of your day. Okay, like we spoke about last episode, you know, time is your master and it's your job to master your time. Okay, and these journals do a great job of bringing that together. You write these things down. You write down the promises that you make to yourself. Makes it a little bit more difficult to break a promise that you've made to yourself when you've written it down. And you can date it and you can uh, 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 mark it as a, as a point in time. Okay, so what do we want to talk about today? Today, I don't know what I'm going to title this episode because usually I title it while I'm speaking, but... You guys, I guess, I don't know if you guys know, I'm a big sports fan. Um, I watch NFL, I watch the NBA, I watch boxing, and unfortunately, I watch the commentary at times surrounding the major sports of NFL, NBA, and boxing. Um, I listen to the commentary. Why do I listen to the commentary? Because I want to see what the status quo wants us to think about what we're seeing. That's why I watch the news. I had a, a former colleague of mine. He found it very interesting that I always listened to news that I was opposed to because I wanted to know what other people were thinking or what they were told to think. Because many of these men and women that are in your broadcast and your legacy media, they're not allowed to tell you their truth. They're allowed to uh, uh, tell you a sanctioned truth that their paymasters allow them to speak. So there are certain narratives and agendas at play for everything you see and for the things you don't see, for things that are said and things that are left unsaid. So it's a director's lens and a director's camera cannot capture everything. So what does the director do? There are certain things that are central to the picture, so they put them in the center of the screen. And there are certain things that are peripheral and on the margins of the story and they put that towards the side or it doesn't even come into camera view. We've had this discussion before and that's what occurs. So when I watch commentators, I'm I'm listening to what they're saying and not saying. And then I get to pick up on the agendas that exist based on that, based on what is said or unsaid, based on what they decided to to focus in on and oftentimes they're inaccurate um they don't follow the five ethics of journalism if you guys know what that is and if you call yourself a sports journalist <clears throat> or a music journalist and you're not following the five ethics of journalism which i if i can remember are uh truth and accuracy uh independence uh fairness and transparency i think it is uh, and uh, humanity and accountability. Now, that's important. And most times, it's all opinion and conjecture, but yet they use the term journalist when they, when they speak about themselves. And I say to myself, that's dangerous. So what ends up happening is the majority of the population doesn't take the time to form their own opinion, and so they parrot the opinion. So now when I go to the barbershop, the barbershop guys who used to be the greatest commentators about what's going on in the world now just sound like what they've heard parroted on legacy television. And their mindset is they're on TV and they're getting paid millions of dollars. And so what they're saying must have some merit to it. And that's dangerous because oftentimes it does not. It does not. 
So why am I, what am I going to speak about today? I, as much as I love sports, I don't speak sports on this particular platform unless I can tie it into something that has to do with us personally. If I can't personalize it and for us to use it as motivation for our grander conversation, then I won't speak about it just just based on the stats and the win-loss column. We're not going to speak about rivalries and win-loss columns and stats, etc., etc. Even though last episode, I spent an hour and a half tying in LeBron versus time versus productivity. And I used LeBron's career as an example of, of time versus productivity. You know, the, 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 the best use of time. And his 20-year career being probably the greatest example of use of one's time in one's youth. Okay? But today we're going to stay on sports a little while. But we're going to tie it into something else. There's an NFL quarterback and his name is Aaron Rodgers and he plays for the Green Bay Packers. He's a multi-time MVP of the regular season. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl champion. And he has a tendency to march to the beat of what people call his own drum. He spent the last summer, I think, at an ayahuasca retreat. I'm not going to get into too much detail about what ayahuasca is, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a liquid. It's a tea. It can be inhaled, certain things. And it's, it brings about certain hallucinogenic effects. It's a psychoplibin. It's, um, it's been used by the ancients to bring about certain altered states of consciousness and some believe that in these altered states of consciousness is where different spiritual realms exist now whether you believe that or not that's not my concern because we're all looking for altered states of consciousness whether it's through caffeine through sugar through nicotine through alcohol so we're all kind of looking for the through meditation so we're looking for these dopamines and this is not a drug per se but he was lambasted and raked over the coals for for spending time in the offseason finding himself as opposed to playing, you know, I guess getting involved in regular season activities with his teammates. Now he's gone on something called a darkness retreat where he is in a cabin. I think this cabin is maybe three or four hundred square feet. I'm not entirely sure. And he's in there and he's going to and he's he was supposed to be there for several days in total darkness. And he was ridiculed for that. But who was ridiculing him? It's people that have to go into work for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day and have corporate paymasters and senior VPs of programming and programming directors and meetings and people that are on the strictest of time schedules and have to wait for commercial breaks, one could argue that their life may seem absurd to many. So they're looking at what Aaron Rodgers is doing, being in total darkness or taking ayahuasca and just looking and seeking out different versions of this reality because even though we're living on this planet as a collective, we're all seeking our own individual truths. Even if we're in a tribe, our family, our church, our teams, our musical interests, whatever the case may be, political interests, we're still looking for our own, co- our own individual truth within this collective. So I don't begrudge anyone that's on, a mis- that's on a mission to find their truth, especially 
when you're looking to truths that have existed or practices that predate modern times. And that's where we're going now when we go back and circle back to divided attention. Reason why I want to bring that up is because there was a friend of mine a couple of years ago and he went on a 10-day silent retreat. And um, there were times in my youth where I would be quiet for the whole weekend. I know that sounds, you know, you know, surprising to you guys b because I can speak for hours on end. But you know why I can speak for hours on end? It's because I spent so much time quiet, listening to things that were going on in my own mind. There were times as a teenager and even as a young adult, I would spend the weekend not using my voice. I would lie to friends and certain family members and say, I'm going to be out of town this weekend. Meanwhile, I was just in my attic in my mother's house in Queens, New York. And what was I doing? I was reading. I'd watch a little TV. I'd walk around the neighborhood. And I would just or walk around at night because that's what I did. I'm a big time night walker. At least at that time I was. I would walk around 11, 12 o'clock at night to about 2, 3 in the morning. I would just go on a walking spree. I don't care, dead of winter, cold, or, or, or summer. I preferred winter because no one was outside except me and the stray dogs and some raccoons. And I loved it. And I wouldn't use my voice. I would just keep thinking to myself, keep thinking, keep thinking. And then by the time I did decide to speak, maybe Sunday night or Monday morning, I would surprise myself with the sound of my own voice. And I would go, whoa, that, that's how I sound. Okay. And what I was trying to do was balance my inner mind's voice with my outward vocal and seeing how close I can get how I think that inner thought process. How close can I get that mind dialogue, that inner dialogue to sound like my outer dialogue? No one told me to do that. It's something I felt I had to do for myself. Why? Because I was working at different jobs and I was going to school and I always had to be around people and I had to say this to you and say that to you and I have to wear this hat to be in your company and I have to wear this hat to be in this other person's company and something happened to me around 16, 17, 18 years old. I was a little tired of that. I have to sound like this around my girlfriend. I'm sounding like this around this group of friends, sounding like that around this gr other group of friends, sounding like this in school, sounding like this to my mom, sounding like this to my brother who I felt I had the most, the most accurate version of me was what my brother got, the most accurate voice. But it's still, I still had to conduct myself like an older brother. So there was that. <clears throat> so I was wearing all these different hats, but which hat was I wearing for myself? It was like that song, I'm the real, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I was waiting for the, which, are all of these me or are they not? And which one of these hats do I wear when I speak to myself? And that inner dialogue, something inside me told me, just be quiet. Just stop using your voice. Don't say anything at all. Let's see where that takes us. And that's exactly what I did. And trust me, the reason why you have this person in front of you now or in your headphones now or in your laptop or on your phone right now sounding the way he sounds is because of those times where I was quiet. Not saying a word to anyone. So a friend of mine, 
went on a silent retreat. Ten days. Ten days. I remember he sent a post out, and I saw that, and I said to myself, my God, ten days? I went two days, and I had to tell the whole world I was off the grid. Even my brother understood. I told him, say, I'm not going to be saying anything this weekend or whatever. Tell mom. Sometimes I would tell him, go tell mom. Tell mom I'm not. I'm just going to be upstairs. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to order pizza. I'm going to. I'm good. I'm not coming down to eat. I'm going to eat upstairs. And then, and then she would ask me, is everything all right? I'm like, mom, I, everything's going to be fine this weekend. Just, I just need a minute. She'd go, okay. And I felt great afterwards. And if anyone wants to know, well, how did it feel? It felt amazing. And I highly recommend it. If you can, if you're in a position to do so, be quiet. See where it takes you. So I asked a friend of mine when he came back from the retreat. I said, dude, how was it? Like, how was it? He said he grew an inch. I said, really? I said, what does that even mean? He said, remember that movie, um, Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx and every, every I said, yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, yeah, Oliver Stone, whatever, yeah. He said, well, in that movie, Al Pacino kept reiterating to the team that life and football is a game of inches and you got to fight and you got to scratch and you got to claw oftentimes to just get that one inch of progress. He said in that 10 days, he grew an inch. That's it. I was like, got it. I understood what that meant. He had he made a certain amount of headway in his life that he would have never been able to make if he did not take that retreat. If he did not go down that road and endeavor to be silent for 10 days in a foreign country that didn't speak any English. He was born in the States, by the way, this particular individual. Now, there wasn't a big revelatory, uh, he didn't have a big aha moment, okay? He didn't fall off his horse in Damascus. That's not what happened. But he, had a, but he made a little bit of headway that would have, for him, as far as he's concerned, would have been impossible for him to attain in his normative activities that's important that's important because ladies and gentlemen let's go back to Aaron Rodgers superstar quarterback right MVP plays for the Green Bay Packers in Wisconsin guess what Wisconsin doesn't have a lot of celebrities and MVPs and larger than life figures which Aaron Rodgers to a certain degree is so if Aaron Rodgers says he needs to get away from everything for a moment, what's so absurd about that? Let me explain something to everyone. Oh, I don't have to explain it to you because you already know that. Within the last 25 years, dare I say within the last 20 years, there has never been a time in human history where a human being was exposed to this much information and had their own information exposed to the world. You are under surveillance based on every time you use your card, your credit cards, your debit cards, your phone, your geolocations, your social media accounts, your email, everything, even your television, the microphone, hey, such and such, put on Netflix or whatever. Every single last thing that we have is on a particular artificial grid we are all on this artificial grid right now now more than ever in the history of mankind let me tell you something life is fast evolution 
is slow. Archaeologists say that we've been on the planet a million years as human beings. But modern man, such as he is, has only been modern man for 200,000 years. So what were we before that? Hmm? Toiling around trying to figure out who we are. The first civilization on earth was 6,000 years. The, the oldest civilization, I don't want to say the first, but proclaimed to be the oldest civilization is 6,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. You know, ancient Iraq, which is now you would know that place as Iraq. What does that mean? That means evolution is slow. The Big Bang didn't automatically create pyramids and Wi-Fi and Eiffel Towers and trade centers in Singapore and Dubai and New York City and Paris. And that's not what happened. We spent millions of years and hundreds of thousands of years trying to figure out what this human, humane thing is. And for most of that time, we didn't have computers. <laughs> for most of that time, we didn't have books. <laughs> for most of that, we didn't have light. We didn't have recorded sound. Because guess what? Electricity in the home is about 100 years old. Recorded sound is about 100 years old. Now think about that for a minute. It took us millions of years just to get here, where we are today. Millions, at least, at the very least, 200,000 years of modern humanity got us this. So in the last 100 years, we have made more technical, technolog technological advances than almost every epic combined every epoch of his era of history combined, what we've been able to accomplish from, let's say, 1898 to 2023. It's absolutely ridiculous. From electricity, light, the car in 1908 or whatever, the car was invented around the 1800s, late 1800s, and then the Model T comes out in the 19th century, whatever the case, I'm sorry, the 20th century, early 1900s, and we go from that, and within 50, 60 years of that, we're on the moon. Wait, so horse and carriage to a car to the moon, to leaving the earth. And guess what? Our technology, as Albert Einstein once said, our technology has far surpassed our humanity i'm going to take it a step further certain evolutionary biologists believe that this technology is happening too fast for most of the population because we are not accustomed to taking in all of this information at one time the modern television went from having one little picture black and white picture silent in a room in the 1920s to now i'm watching movies on my phone I'm sorry, what? I'm on a plane watching the movie on my phone. Recorded sound, 100 plus years old. Now I have headphones that are beating against my eardrum where now you have kids losing their hearing at astronomical rates, at epidemic rates. 
Why? Because these earbuds that we have that are pumping sound directly into our eardrum, our eardrum has not evolved. This 200,000-year-old eardrum has not evolved to handle the rigors of constant sound being pumped directly into it. Light. More kids are wearing glasses now. Why? Because of the artificial blue light of our phones and our laptops and our television screens and our plasma screens. You have kids now spending 20, 30, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week looking at screens. Parents, parents, people who code and work with computers all day. You know, the whole, oh, yeah, I'm going to work from home. I'm going to be a digital nomad. Yeah. It's hell on the eyes because our eyesight and our retina is not evolved enough. Our 200,000-year-old retina is not evolved enough to handle the fact that now all of us are on computer screens. Hey, listen, people. The smartphone came out in what? What, 2007? We started really using smartphones and touchscreens where we started looking at our phone for more than just it ringing. So, so we're talking about what, less than 20 years of this artificial light that we're constantly looking at? Is it no wonder that someone wants to go to the dark for a couple of days? Hmm? Is it no wonder that someone says, you know what? <laughs> this is a little crazy. I'm going to go back a little bit. Maybe go in the dark a little bit. Take it easy. Maybe go to a place that doesn't have electricity. And so when, when the sun goes down, I'm using candlelight or lantern light or moonlight. I'm going to take my behind to bed. Okay? Early to fall, early to rise. I will rise with the sun. I'll be up and nothing but natural light. Is it no wonder? Is it no wonder? That some of us may say, whoa, this is a bit much. We have terms now that never existed in many of our youths. Social media. New terms. Social media anxiety. Now you have camps. <laughs> parents now, affluent parents, are spending an inordinate amount of money just to send their kids to what's called low-tech camp where there isn't any Wi-Fi, where kids have magnifying glasses and compasses and they're learning how to fish, they're learning how to cook, they're learning how to be out in nature. We used to just call that camp or just going outside. <laughs> now you got to spend like three G's for the summer for your kid to go do this. You have people like me and many others and people in Silicon Valley who are getting low-tech phones now. You know what low-tech phones are? Remember those Motorola flip phones? Just the, all it does is flip. You can't really text on it. You're definitely not going to browse the web. You're not going to get any video uh, worth watching on that thing. It's too slow. But you know what it does? It rings. And when it rings, you answer it. And if you need to make a call, you just, you know, type in the numbers or tap the numbers or you have the you you go to your contacts and access whoever you have saved on that particular device so you're not touching your phone when it's not ringing because we've only started doing that within the last 20 plus years 
Life is fast and life comes at you fast. And before you know it, you're a grown up. And before you know it, you're, a, you're an old. And before you know it, you just become a teacher trying to help the, the next generation figure it out because your time is done. Life is fast. Evolution is slow. From right now, the approximation is that modern man, me and you, we're 200,000 years old. But there is evidence that we've been here for about a million or so years. The homonym, the creature, us, Neanderthal, Homo sapien, etc., etc. I don't want to get into all that. But I'm just trying to tell you that only over the last 20 years have we had certain phenomena that are literally not driving people crazy, but driving people to reassess what's important. So when I listen to talking heads ridicule Aaron, there's a lot of things that you could probably ridicule Aaron Rodgers for. Probably. This is not one of them. Deciding to say, you know what? I just want to disconnect. I want to disconnect from this grid and reconnect with my senses. Plenty of us go through sensory deprivation. I used to box and I used to, I used to, um, practice martial arts i used to practice shotokan karate and i used to box a bit and i remember there were certain athletes that would use sensory deprivation chambers th those water chambers my claustrophobia didn't really allow me to lock me up in some water tank in the dark i was like nah i'll pass but i did it one time for about 30 seconds and it was the most harrowing 30 seconds of my life lying down on my back in a sensory deprivation tank. I felt formless. I couldn't feel my body. I felt as if I was having an out of body experience. It was as close as I've ever gotten to being quote unquote completely off the grid. I was in another place and space. I didn't know who I, where I started and where I ended. I didn't know. I had no idea. Couldn't feel. I couldn't. I'm just laying there. I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Everybody's laughing at me because I had friends of mine that were able to stay in that tank for several minutes. Me, I lasted 30 to 45 seconds. Always wanted to try that again. And maybe I will. So we're constantly looking for ways to explore our consciousness, to explore what this whole reality is, not to subscribe to reality. Not the prescribed reality, but our truth. Not the truth that we were supposed to subscribe to or prescribe to, but ours. One that we ascribe to because we made a decision. And it's through these other means oftentimes that we'll possibly get there. We're constantly trying to alter our reality. Like I said, that caffeine, that boost, that's drug. That sugar, mm, drug. That nicotine, hmm, drug. The chocolate boost you get from chocolate, that dopamine burst, hmm. The alcohol, the inhibitions loosening us up. Drunk mind revealing what a sober mind conceals. Inhibitions of our frontal lobe, hmm, drugs. <laughs> so when this man 
was being ridiculed for using ayahuasca by people who drink every Friday and have happy hour and have coffee in the morning and a beer for dinner and wine and alcohol and smoke cigarettes and maybe, you know, partake in a bit of cannabis or this or maybe even psychotropic drugs, drugs that were prescribed to them by the medical, by their, by their physicians or psychologists or whatever, what have you. Guess what? How dare these people ridicule this man when all of us are on some type of drug right now all of us are altering our state of consciousness in one way shape or form when you're using terms like meditation i was baptized roman catholic i'm old enough to remember and i'm a young guy old enough to remember when meditation was considered a sin because it was altering your consciousness because meditation was about you finding you not you finding God. Now we say meditation, meditation. Yeah, I meditate. People call everything meditation. The walks that I take, people say, yeah, June, when you take those the walks of yours, you're putting yourself in a meditative state. Okay. I call it a walk. You call it a meditative state based on the repetition of me putting one foot in front of the other and concentrating on my inner dialogue in me. Fine, fine. Call it what you want. I call it a walk. You want to call it something more than that? No problem. I understand. But I remember when meditation was called a sin by Catholics. My, many of my Catholic, matter of fact, one of my Bible study instructors said it was a sin. Many, many people who I know that are born again Christians told me it was a sin. Many people that were Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists and Protestants told me that meditation was the, the devil. And I've heard that not only from people that I knew, but I heard that in other circles from, quote unquote, authority figures on the, in the religion. Meditation is the devil. Oh, OK. My bad. My bad. So me just sitting here talking to myself is a problem or me just getting. OK, but I'm getting this wine and this alcohol on Sunday. I'm getting a sip of that, though. No problem. I get it. I get it. I get it. Contradictions abound. I'm not here to talk about that. But what I'm saying is we have to take into account people. And this, this is why I want to bring up the Aaron Rodgers situation. We are right now bombarded with information. I've said it before. I think I had a, I don't remember which episode. Actually, should, maybe I should have looked that up so I can have you guys refer to it. Um, where I spoke about attention spans and how it's been studied and confirmed that our attention spans have decreased. Look at what's going on now. We've gone from long form videos on, on our social media to now shorts, five second clips, punchline, 10 second clips, 15 second clips. And so now the human mind is going through dozens, if not hundreds of different auditory and visual clips in one sitting, in Five minutes in three minutes. Haha, ha, that was funny. Swipe, like, share, swipe. Haha, ha, that was funny. Huh, that wasn't so good. Dislike, swipe up, swipe down, save, share, save, move. That's what we're doing. And for 200,000 years, we didn't have to do any of that. We were not equipped to do that. You had a book. For the longest time, the only printed book on the planet was the Bible. And you could read one book at a time. One book. 
One book. You can have several books scattered around. You may read one book today or maybe you read one book right now for, for about 20 minutes and then you'll start reading another book. You'll be like, you know what? I'm kind of done with this story. Let me start something else. And then you put one thing down. Your brain resets and says we're going to start another thing. But now your television is on. Your phone is on. Your laptop is on. You're playing music while the TV is on. You can have a video game. I have, let me put it to you this way. I've been in a room. Are you listening to me, ladies and gentlemen? I've been in a room where an individual under the age of 18 years old had two televisions in their room. One of the televisions was the gaming television. That's all that was on there. This individual has a special chair that actually is interactive with that gaming television. The chair moves with the game. This person has several headsets, several virtual, virtual reality headsets and headphones. And this television, which is about a, I don't know, 40-inch flat screen is on one side of the room with several different video game consoles, PS5, this one, that one, hooked up to this particular television. It has headphones, everything attached. The other TV is the TV that has the Netflix, the Roku, the Amazon Prime, the, the Hulu, everything like that. Listening? Then he has the MacBook. Then he has the tablet. And he has his latest iPhone. I was in a room where all of those things were working at the same time. And he was the one using them. He was playing a game, but he had his phone next to him. And he was texting while he was playing the game. At the same time, he had the TV in the background on and it was, you know, on mute. And it was one of those commentators, sportscasters were talking on uh, NBA TV because he likes to watch the highlights. I, was, I actually was watching the highlights and then I put it on mute because he was playing the game. But then I took it off mute when he put the headset on. Are you listening to me? He put the headset on, so I said, okay, I'm going to take it off mute. But then he took the headset off and he put on his tablet so he can play music. So his music was playing through the tablet and the tablet was hooked up to a Bluetooth speaker and he was playing Spotify music, his playlist. Everything was on. The lights were on. Do you understand? We had this conversation before that to entertain a first world child, when everybody speaks about population control and they invariably go to some people that are living in some brown country under rural agrarian conditions where they're not even a, a, leaving any sort of carbon footprint. No one even knows they're there. But yet every time we speak about population control, somehow it invariably goes to those people. But then when I look at the first world and I look at what it takes to entertain little Tommy in the United States, I go, Jesus Christ, the electricity he's using can power the space shuttle just to entertain this cat. Can he truly immerse himself in anything now? Look at what it takes to keep this kid occupied. 
He's got to have the video game playing in this crazy chair. Ch I mean, the setup in his house, in his room, is amazing. I mean, he's... <laughs> and his parents aren't even wealthy. It's not, they're not even well-to-do, as a matter of fact. They're doing okay. I know his parents. And I know him. He's cool. You know what I mean? He, he, you know, he boxes at... He used to box at a local place I used to, I used to um, train at. You know? And his father did, too. That's how we all got cool. And his father does okay. His mother does okay. But this kid is living like, like he has a silver spoon. Like he's richy rich. 40-inch flat screen, then another 40-inch flat screen to watch television. And then the, the, the iMac, the, the laptop, and the tablet playing music. And the phone. And he's just tap, 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 texting, boom, ha, ha, laughing at one thing, getting into another thing. I, and all I'm doing is I'm watching highlights. I'm trying to focus on just watching highlights from a game. That's it. I, I'm, I'm looking at this kid do all these things. And I've caught myself being on the computer, writing something, having my phone, responding to a text, looking at the TV, and screaming at the television because I'm responding to something that was said. And then my girlfriend comes into the room, or my fiance, she walks into the room and goes, June, who are you yelling at? I'm like, oh, I'm yelling at the TV. She's like, you do realize that no one on that TV can hear you, right? I was like, yeah, no, my bad. She's like, okay, I'm just making sure you're not crazy. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, not that crazy. But yeah, I'm a little crazy, but not that. So this is a new phenomenon. We went from having one TV in the house, and that was in the living room. There were maybe two TVs. One was in the living room or the family room, and one was in the parents' bedroom. No kids had TVs in their room. Or maybe you had a little TV that was on the kitchen countertop. That's when families were getting fancy. You know, remember that little TV? I don't know if some of you out there even know that. The little TV you had in the kitchen when mama was cooking or whoever was in the kitchen, you could turn that on and watch something for yourself. While maybe the kids and the dad or whatever, they're in the living room watching something like the mom could watch her stuff while the boys are watching their stuff in the living room. But no TV in the bedrooms. That became a newer, more modern phenomenon as interest became more diversified. More channels mean more interest because now there's something at 8 p.m. that you want to watch. But there's also something at that same time that I want to watch. Different interests. Now different televisions. I remember when we had to turn off the TV in the living room at 8 p.m., before 8 p.m., and take our butts to bed. And when we went to our room, there was no electronics to speak of. I had one electronic device. You know what that was? My radio. That was it. So I would listen to the radio when I couldn't sleep. That's all. I had a cassette deck, radio, a bunch of books. Pick something, bruh. You want to read? You want to write? Or you want to listen to the radio. That's all you got. But somewhere along the line, you're going to have to use your imagination. You're going to have to pick one. So what I would do, I would pick one. Maybe I'm listening to the radio. Maybe I'm recording music. Maybe I'm recording a talk show. And then I'll decide to read a little bit. And maybe I'll write a little bit. Maybe I have some things on my mind. Or when I got old enough and I, and, you know, I didn't have the same kind of curfew, maybe I'll just go for a walk. But the TV was off in the house. The TV was off. It's like no more television. No more noise. So I had to get in touch with the normative natural world. And the natural world consisted of, at, that, as, at a particular time, everything shut off and you had your mind. It was me and nature and maybe a book. Maybe the radio recorded sound. 
That's it. No blue light. No light that was weakening my eyes. No tiny, minuscule headphones that were beating up against my eardrum, my 200,000-year-old eardrum that is not acclimated to handle that level of abuse. And guess what, people? When you lose your hearing, you don't get it back unless you get a hearing aid. The hearing you lose is the hearing you lose. It's like your gums. When you lose your gums, hard to get back. Pretty much it's what it is. And that's what's going on. We have a human population on earth that is not equipped to deal with the level of information that they're receiving and the level of information that they're actually of theirs that's being exposed out there into the world, that is being uncovered and revealed. That's the truth. Social media anxiety, social media depression, social media attachment, digital amnesia ever happen to you? You go on Google or your favorite search engine and you're gonna about to look for one thing, but then your mind goes to something else and you write down something else and that original thing that you really needed to go on uh, uh, that search engine for, guess what happens? You forgot and you're like, oh man, what was I, what was I doing again? What was I doing again? Digital amnesia. These are terms we've never heard before. And people are saying, well, June, that's evolution. That's how things evolve. When Albert Einstein said that our technology was surpassing our humanity, these computers are not supposed to have us forgetting things. The whole idea was this technology to augment who we are. It's like having a microphone. Yes, I have a voice. And yes, you can hear me. But if I get a microphone, more people can hear me. If I get a megaphone, more people can hear me. If I record it, more people can hear exactly what I'm saying. And they'll know exactly what I'm thinking based on what I'm saying. It's supposed to augment. Okay? It's supposed to increase our potential. <clears throat> but more and more people are looking to step away from this world and say, listen, I want to go low tech. Remember we had this conversation about the school systems the affluent schools in, 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 in the Northeast and in parts of Southern California where Silicon Valley executives are sending their kids to what's called low-tech schools, which was nothing more than the school I went to as a kid, where there isn't any Wi-Fi, there aren't any computers, there aren't any tests. They're giving you Oak Tag. Remember Oak Tag? You're getting Oak Tag and markers and colored pencils. And you're doing projects that have nothing to do with PowerPoint or laptops or coding or anything. Meanwhile, kids in poor schools are being told, you got to know how to code. You got to have a computer. You got to take these computer classes. When we have a snow day, now you go home and then now you have to be in front of a screen and this blue screen and you have to pay attention to the screen. Now. I got to tell you, like I remember speaking to a couple of my friends who graduated law school, and there are many, many people who, after graduating law school, their eyesight is weakened from having to read case brief and precedent and case brief after case brief from these books because it's excessive. And that's just a book. This artificial light that's being pumped into our eyes for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 plus hours per week. 
I don't care how far away the TV is from your bed or from your couch or how or how many uh, of those little uh, uh, screen protectors you put on, privacy protectors to, to tint the, the light. It's, it's an artificial light that your eyes are looking to interpret. You can't tell me that you, some of you haven't had headaches after staring at your phone for a, for a long time. Look at how close that phone is to your face. You have people now who are suffering from neck pain because they're constantly bent over like ostriches looking at their phones. You have kids now suffering from neck pains and spinal pain. Never occurred before. So for people to ridicule this man for saying, I kind of want to get away from all that. And maybe it's an overcorrection. Maybe I want to I want to I want to escape from all of this artificial light and just now go to extreme darkness so I can make my decisions. Very difficult for me to make my decisions while I'm on the grid, being one of the most popular men in the United States of America. So I need a second. His forthrightness about that, regardless of why he did it, was he looking to get attention? Was he looking to seem as if he was different? Regardless of intention, regardless of what, I applaud him for actually saying I needed a second. I needed a second away from everything going on. I understand. I'm not saying I'm like Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying if I were in the public eye like an Aaron Rodgers, I would be more Aaron than many, many other people. I would be more attuned to getting off of the grid, but I guarantee you it would be undisclosed. No one would know. I'm way too clandestine to tell everyone what I'm doing and where I'm going. That's not happening. But would I take a darkness retreat if I was making $40 million per year as a quarterback in the smallest market in America? Huh? Driving around with all due respect to Green Bay. Hey, listen. Um... Aaron Rodgers has never had an anonymous moment in all 12, 15, or 20, however, how many years he's been a Green Bay Packer. He's never had an anonymous moment. I remember years ago when he first, I, I want to say maybe his first five or 10 years as a starter there after Brett Favre left, um, he said, yeah, you know, it's a little interesting being in Green Bay. I love it, but, you know, when you, when you, when you have a Porsche at a gas station, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it's kind of hard to just stay off the radar. And other people out there may go, well, why did he get a Porsche then? Why didn't he get an F-150? Or why didn't he get something that the natives are driving? Why should he? He can drive whatever he wants. But then at the same time, guess what comes with that? whether he's driving an F-150 or he's driving a Porsche, everyone in Green Bay is going to know eventually. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers just bought a blue F-150 from Ford up the road. Yeah, 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 ha-ha, ba-ba-boom. Everybody, wave, make sure to honk at Aaron next time you see him. And you can't just, peop you can't just tell people to leave you alone. You can't just say, hey, when you see me out in the street, just give me a second. Especially in 2023 where people have websites dedicated to you. People have social media pages dedicated to you that you have not sanctioned. Fan pages where people are constantly speaking about you. Now think about that as you, you out there as this anonymous, you, I'm speaking to you that's listening to me right now. How would you feel? 
These people are just athletes. They're just people like you and me. They're gifted at, at something that just happens to make them a ton of money and puts them in the public eye. But each and every last one of you listening is gifted at something. What if that thing that you're good at, everyone was talking about all the time on television, on radio, on the web, all the time. And everywhere you went, you were recognized for being the best teacher ever. But because you're excellent, but you're not perfect, your imperfections become fodder for smaller, less accomplished human beings, respectfully. People who make a living tearing you down. There's a whole cottage industry where people make millions of dollars to ridicule Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing. Do you understand that? That they foam at the mouth because he did this or he said that. That's their job. Parasitical as it is, that's their job. That's what they do. That's how they pay their bills. That's how they, when they brush their teeth and look in the mirror, the person looking back at them, that's what that person does for a living. And they're okay with that because they, make, they live a good life. You drive whatever you want to drive. You eat whatever you want to eat. You can live almost wherever, wherever you want to live. Worrying about food, clothing, and shelter, which is what human beings have been concerned with, since they got on this planet, since we, since we sprouted for millions of years, and especially for the last 200,000 years, our basic necessities has been at the forefront of our existence. We're constantly thinking about what we're going to eat. Three, four, five times a day, we're worried about food in the modern world. Where are we going to live? How are we going to keep a roof over our head? Do we have a roof over our head? Do we need a better roof over our head? Is this, is this place safe enough? Food, clothing, and shelter. So when you get, put yourself in a position where you don't have to worry about those things the same way, I guarantee you there are many people that would do a lot worse things in life to have that taken care of than just talking ill of someone else. That's the world he's in. Imagine you were in that world. When I sign up to be great at something, does that mean I'm signing up and I'm forfeiting my privacy, I'm forfeiting my right to just walk down the street and just be. Is that what I forfeit? I have to live in that bubble. And then when I decide to, to extricate myself from that bubble, I'm ridiculed for that too. But the reason why I say, you know, I don't know why he mentioned it. He kind of likes the attention to a certain degree, but I understand why he did what he did. I would have never told anybody. I would have just gone off the grid. People say, hey, He's, he's on vacation, undisclosed location, you know, and no one would know. No one would even know. It wouldn't even be a topic of conversation because no one would even know. I have the kind of money and resources to make sure that the things I do are, are outside of the purview of the, the, the normative uh, contingent that want to know what I'm doing every day. That's how I would be if I were in Aaron Rodgers' shoes. I would be doing that. I would take a darkness retreat. If I was a Green Bay Packer quarterback, MVP, Super Bowl winner, and everyone's wondering what I'm doing, why I'm not winning, why I'm doing this, why I'm doing that, who am I dating, why am I dating them, et cetera, et cetera. I'd go, you know what? I didn't sign up for all of this. I signed up to play football. And I know there's a lot of money in it and this, that, and the third, and there's a level of fame, but all of this, I always tell people, managing your money, managing your family, managing egos if you have a business, managing personalities, is one thing managing fame 
is all of those things combined. Because people are looking at you differently even though you're exactly the same person. And that is very difficult to resolve. On top of a world that's completely connected, where no matter where you are now on the planet, people will recognize you. You become the most recognizable face, sis, on the planet. <clears throat> people know where you are. You take a picture, it's at an undisclosed location. If you post that picture online, people can geo-track the picture and go, oh, he took that picture at such and such. Let's go say hi. Whoa. And for 200,000 years of human existence, that was unfathomable <clears throat> until now. Life comes at you fast. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. But evolution is slow. The mind and the body being able to adapt and acclimate to the new realities that technology has presented to us. That's going to take a long time. It's happening faster than the human, natural human mind can actually take. Your ears are failing, your eyes are failing, your mental and your spirit is failing. It's not me. This is not, this is not me opining. Social media anxiety, social media depression, the dopamine that was created from the like button. Had we not had this conversation before, how many behaviorologists and psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health professionals honed in on the like button? They knew what that like button was going to do. They knew what those views were going to do, that people looking for validation. And now look, you have things people called influencers, people doing anything to be seen. Maybe this was always who, what human beings were. Maybe, this, maybe now we just have the opportunity to show exactly who we are. Maybe. Or maybe humanity is descending to a certain degree. To a place where intellectual pursuits are being put on the back burner and being seen is enough. That's enough validation. It's okay to, be, it's okay to not know anything. It's okay to not be talented. It's okay to not hone your skills as long as you're being seen. Where being seen is the end all be all. Being acted, being mentioned, being tagged, being liked, being shared, being viewed, reviewed. That's what everything seems to be whittling down to. And if, you want, and if you don't want that, and if you spent the majority of your life where that wasn't the reality, because Aaron Rodgers is almost a 40-year-old man, which means that he spent the majority of his life not under those, uh, under those rules and under that reality. He remembers a time where none of this w was a part of his reality. What, AOL chat? Anybody remember AOL chat and Yahoo Messenger? That came out in the mid to late 90s. That was like 97, 98, right? And then MySpace. When was that? When was that? When did I get on MySpace? I don't remember. I think that was early 2000s, 2003 or four, something like that. And then Facebook came out in uh, uh, 2000, whatever, I guess for the general population because Facebook was more for, you know, college 
graduates to sort of connect with each other. But then it was to the general public, I think, 07, 08, right? So this whole world that we're in now is less than 20 years old. But if you want to count AOL, because I remember AOL chats, I remember people being on that and people going to visit people they just met online and, yo, we're going to go ch check these girls out. We were talking to them on AOL chat. I'm like, are you sure about that? You're going to go to their house? Uh, okay. I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know what it was. I was like, you don't know. What if you're talking to a dude? <laughs> that used to always be my thing. What if you're talking to a dude? What if it's a dude trying to set you up? Remember, I lived in Jamaica, Queens, New York, and... You know, as a, unfortunately, I was um, exposed to certain realities and the certain realities were that, you know, certain decisions held life or death consequences. M my mortality was called into question. Certain moves that I made growing up, I had to think about that. Oh, wait, I'm not I'm not about to meet some chick, meet some person on a chat that says, hi, I'm here with my girlfriends. How many of you are there? Come over. And my boys are going, yo, June, we need to get over there. Yeah, no. I'm, no. Yeah, come on, man. You you don't want, you got the car. Get the car. No, no. Get the car. Get your. No, no, no. Don't know. Don't know. No, I'm not doing that. Or that Yahoo Messenger. Nah. Let me just, we see some girls on the street. We'll say hi. I'm not. I didn't even understand it as a concept. I didn't understand people coming from my environment would even do that. But that's the things that were going on. And I bring that up as a side, as a brief aside, but it, it let me know that we were abandoning our reasoning for these gratifications, for, these new, for this new information. We were abandoning what we knew. We were abandoning our reality for these new realities. And within a couple of years of that, you had MySpace, a couple of years of that, you had Facebook. And then now all the information comes out now that all of the creators of these social medias knew that people were going to be attached and addicted to this and want to do that more, use these, 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 these online vehicles more than actually going outside. That's why when you go outside in your neighborhood, you can't find a kid because you know why? They have two televisions in their house, a laptop, a tablet, a cell phone. Why am I going outside? Why am I burning ants with a magnifying glass there's no wonder in playing with the snails and the caterpillars and the and and the ants when i can put on a vr headset and be transported to wherever and and not have to use my imagination at all just everything is being fed to me fed to a 200,000 year old brain, a brain that's just receiving this information for the first time. It's like the first time your kid tastes ice cream. Remember that? You ever gave a baby ice cream and you look at their eyes get dilated from the sugar and they start just, and they just look at the cone and look at the ice cream and they go, holy, what's that? <laughs> but guess what, people? Guess what you can't live on? Ice cream. It's a great treat. I love ice cream. That baby give it a little taste. Mmm, that's it. It's enough sugar for you and your little body. That's what this technology is to us. <clears throat> that's how much of this technology we're supposed to be using. That little tiny spoonful that we gave that of ice cream that we gave that baby. That's how much technology our brains can handle. This flipping, flipping, flipping through the shorts. And then having the television on 
at the same time as the Bluetooth, as the streaming music, and we're doing all of these things at once is the reason why I say, if you're listening to me, I consider it a privilege and an honor and an absolute gift that, I've re- that I am receiving your divided attention. Because rarely is someone just listening to me. I have a couple of people listen to me before they go to sleep, which is dope. I'm the voice that they hear right before they go to bed. So maybe some of the things I'm saying is seeping into their subconscious, which is awesome. I have, a, I, I, there are several <laughs> people who says I make for great bedtime listening. I'll go, okay, all right, cool. I'll take it. I, I, I hope that they hear some of the stuff I'm saying and they're not, they're not just, I'm not just sounding like that white noise in the background that helps them relax and go to sleep. I'm hoping that some of the things that I'm saying is going in. I have a couple of friends of mine who listen to me uh, on the treadmill. They say, yo, June, things you say are great for treadmill and running on the track. It's awesome. Some people listen to me when they're driving to work. But guess what's happening? You're doing more than one thing. When you're in a car, you're taking in a tremendous amount of information. Okay? Tremendous amount. There's a lot to take in on a highway. There's a lot to take in. You, this is not a horse and buggy going 8 to 10 miles an hour. Right? In, in a, in, on a vast expanse of land where you don't see anything except open road as far as the eye can see. Or open land as far as the eye can see. No, we're talking about how much are you taking in if you're on a regular road. Forget about the highway. Highway has its own perils. A, a normal traffic-laden intersection or avenue in your neighborhood. You have to take in what's going on in front of you, what's going on in the sides of you, even what's going on behind you. Who's crossing, who's not, lights, speed limits, the amount of information you're taking in at one time. And you're listening to me. Great, but I know I'm getting your divided attention. You're listening and you're paying attention, but you're also, there's a part of you that's paying attention to something else. You're not paying attention to me in the same way I was paying attention to that book when I was a kid and there was nothing in my room. I couldn't, je- the light had to remain off. So, you know, when I had the book, you know how I would read? I would read with a little flashlight under my blanket or because there was a street light outside of my window that was very bright. So what I would do is I would, I moved my bed towards that area. That way at night, I could just use the light from the street light to read my books. Because my mom refused to get me a lamp at one point. She said, rooms are for sleeping. She says, you do your homework in the, in, in the daytime. You don't have to worry about light at night. <laughs> a lamp. So I didn't get a lamp. I got a lamp later on. And then when I got the lamp, I put I got a little nightstand. And my mom said, I'll get you a nightstand and stuff like that. But early on, she was like, you don't, what do you need a lamp for? I was like, to read. She said, you have school in the morning. If you want to read, you have the whole day to read. You can finish your homework early and get to your book, read it, and then now it's time for bed. My mom wouldn't even get me a lamp. And you know what? She was right. So I would read anyway because I'm like, I'm awake. I don't feel like sleeping. So I'll listen to the radio. If I don't want to listen to the radio, I'll get the flashlight. I had a little flashlight, a little mini one too. Oh, my boy, I got it. I got it from one of the corner stores in my neighborhood, and I bought it for myself, and I used that mini flashlight. And guess what? After a while, I was able to get a lamp after a couple of years. But my mom said, you don't need a lamp. You have plenty of time to read during the day. You get home from school at 2 o'clock. 
two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. And then you don't have to get to sleep until 8.39 p.m. So you have six hours to read. Your dinner is going to take about 30 minutes for you to eat. Between homework and wanting to read, you got plenty of time. But, but if you want to watch TV and do all that other stuff too, that's what happens. So you may not have time to watch TV. You wanna, which one are you going to pick? The book or the television? And I, 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 oftentimes I chose the hour of TV I would get or the little couple hours of cartoons. I'd get to watch a couple of after school cartoons. But this is important. Because I bring that up and I highlight that to say no one's paying attention to one thing at a time anymore. And that's all we could do at one point for most of our history was one or two things at a time. Now you're doing 20 things at a time. You're driving. You have a whole flat screen in your car now where all the things that your car does is attached to this screen. So while I'm driving, I got to go tap that and tap that and go back. Before it used to just be press FM, press AM presets. I got two, three, four, five, six presets. Boom. I know this is my AM station presets. These are my FM station presets. That's it. Because the main focus is I got to keep my eyes on the road. But now I have this whole screen in my car and it's like, boop. Oh, no, I got to go back. Oh, doop, doop, doop. Oh, press that arrow. Oh, whoops. Oh, swipe. I'm like, what am, what's going on? People want to talk about don't text and drive. I have a big screen. My screen has my AC in it. For me to control the, the climate of the car, I got to press... I got to go to a screen. What happened to just a knob? AC, room, turn it. I don't even have to look. Huh, boop, boop, turn AC, press. Now I have to look directly at that screen as opposed to my windshield. That's where we are, people. Why am I bringing this up? We are entirely too distracted. And the more distracted we get, the less we figure out how to think for ourselves, the less we have the capacity to think for ourselves. That's one of the reasons why I'm getting a low-tech phone. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I have these fancy little wireless Bluetooth I, uh, AirPods. I'm going to most likely put them on some sort of marketplace. Let someone else have them so I can have my ears back. Whatever hearing I have left, I'm going to keep it for as long as I can. Right now, I'm using big headphones to record this. But if I'm going to listen to music, I'm going to listen to music through some speakers. And when I, it's funny, when I go to the book, sometimes I like to write uh, and do research at this particular bookstore. And I put these headphones on my ears. And these headphones, they're not, they're Bluetooth, but they're not connected to anything. They're not connected to the laptop. I'm just using them for, um, for noise canceling purposes. So certain ambient noises aren't around. So why? So I can be less dot, dot, dot distracted. So that's what I want from people. If you're going to listen to something, listen to it. If you're going to read something, sit there and read it. There are people right now that can't read whole books. Every one of these articles now are telling you how many minutes it is to read it. Oh, it's a 10-minute read. I ain't doing that. 
I've had friends of mine say, damn, June, your podcast is about an hour and some change long. I'm not listening to that. You binge watched your favorite Netflix show in a night. There were eight. I told one of my friends to watch a show. The show had one. It was a, it was a limited season. It was a limited uh, series, a limited series that had eight episodes. It was on Netflix. I told my friend at noon, yo, bro, you got to check this show out. Show's crazy. He was like, for real? The next day, he was like, yo, it was crazy. I said, which episode you on? Oh, no, I finished it. You finished it? I'm like, bro, I just told you about it yesterday. That's like eight hours of TV. Yeah, I know, I know, I couldn't stop. Bro, you had to, f and he works. He, he didn't watch it at work, because when I texted him, he was at work. It was like 12 noon on one day. So don't tell me you can't watch, don't tell me you can't watch my stuff. Because I was going to shorten this, 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 uh, this platform i had several people tell me don't you dare shorten it people will figure out a way to listen to it in its entirety they don't have to listen to it all at once i was like man people's attention spans you know i don't i don't want to just drone on and on about particular subjects and people have texting people are doing everything else except the, uh, for, i have i had more than more than a handful of people that I that I reached out to when I was when I first started doing this uh platform a couple of years ago and I was like I don't know man I had a couple episodes run long I cut a couple of episodes short and I knew that I had more to say and they were like why'd you do that and I said well because you know people you know they no do it and now more than ever I thank them for that because I took their advice I said you know what if it's gonna run long if it's gonna run an hour and five minutes an hour and ten an hour and a half Fine, if it's going to even run two hours, you sit in a theater and you watch a movie for an hour and 45 minutes, oftentimes over two hours. You do that, we're binge watching television now more than ever. We'll spend hours on YouTube, hours on TikTok, hours watching content after content after content that sometimes we don't even remember. Digital amnesia. So that's why I call this a conversation. Because many of us out there aren't even having conversations. You can call a friend and they'll respond with a text. Hey, what's up? You're like, oh, yeah, I called. I just wanted to hear your voice and have a conversation. Oh, okay. And they'll proceed to text because they're not comfortable to talk to you. They're more comfortable with TTYL and LMAO. And ha-ha, and emojis to express themselves. So that's why I said, oh, fine, I'm going to do this long form. And then when I saw, and then when you see the success of people like uh, uh, Joe Rogan, and you're like, oh, his show is two, three, four hours long, this guy. He's bringing on, the difference between he and I is <clears throat> his guests, his guest-driven show, and his guests do infinitely way more talking than he does even though joe rogan is quite interesting and is a renaissance man in his own right and can probably carry a show just based on his own experiences if he wanted to comment on things but he likes to hear from other interesting people so he has them on maybe one day i'll do a show like that as opposed to me just rattling off my own revelations i'll have people on but you know like i said that has a lot to do with donations and new technologies coming in because that's one of the great things about a technology is that I can connect with people that don't have to that I don't have to be in the same room with and we can create a conversation. <clears throat>
So that's one of the things that bothered me about, um, I felt that I needed to speak about because I thought to myself, my goodness, here we are, uh, 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 the, this human race, this human race, been around for a couple of hundred thousand years as modern human beings, okay? As modern human beings. But it's been said that we've been around for a couple of million years. But for all of that time, we've never had this level of information and technology bombarding us from at all times. There are people, I'm guilty of this, who used to sleep with headphones in their ears and listen to, I listened to, I used to listen to a lot of uh, economics lectures. And my girl w- would say to me, why is it that you need to hear that to go to sleep? I said, it relaxes me. She said, hearing about the economic conditions of the world relaxes you. I said, yeah, it actually does. And I actually, I actually retain that information. I used to listen to Wayne Dyer all night. Or I would listen to uh, Malcolm X speeches on my head, big headphones, big headphones. So I had to sleep on my back. So, you know, because I would crush the headphone if I tried to sleep on my side. So I, would, I had a whole playlist on one of my old I, uh, iPods where I had almost every Malcolm X speech that was ever recorded. And I would listen to those. <laughs> or I would listen to Wayne Dyer. I would listen to this one and that one. I would listen to certain lectures from, from, from other people. And I just enjoyed it. And I enjoyed just sitting there looking at the ceiling and listening. Because it took me back to my youth, where there was only so many things, so many electronic things to bombard yourself with. There was a television that had limited use and was being being um, um, regulated by my by my government officials, which were called Mama Bear, right, and Papa Bear. They're like, no, you, no, don't touch the TV. I was like, damn, I just want to no, go outside. Ugh, all right, <laughs> leave the TV alone. Stop burning electricity. You don't pay bills here. Go outside. <laughs> Typical Caribbean household. You don't pay bills. Go outside. Like, oh, I, I just wanted to. No, no. Like, not even listening to me. Like, get out of here. What are you talking about? You acted like you have a voice in this. You, there's nothing you can say. They, there's literally nothing I could say to get that TV to turn on once they said no. So it was futile. So most times I didn't, I didn't bother. My brother, on the other hand, would be like, please, please. But me, I was just like, whatever. They're not going to listen to me. But um, that was important. 200,000 years of human evolution did not prepare us to be swipe, 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 bombarded, video game, VR, headphones. Now you are now you have a headphone with a mic and now you're talking to some other kid who's or some other person that's God knows where doing the same thing that you're doing. They have a TV on, they have music, they have Bluetooth speakers attached to the wall. Sensory overload. What are we doing? So if this man wants to overcorrect, wants to say, you know what, I need to be in full darkness. I'll tell you something. I went to the, um, I was in Haiti a couple years back, some years ago, several years ago. And it's in the rural, it's in the countryside near my mother's hometown where she grew up. And there's no Wi-Fi. And there's also really no electricity per se the only way to get electricity is if you have one of those gasoline powered generators you put the gasoline in the generator 
you turn on the generator, the motor sounds like a big motorcycle or a big Harley or, or, or a, a lawnmower <clears throat> and you get light. But obviously you're not turning on this big lawnmower sound at night. So by the time the sun goes down or by 7, 8 p.m., guess what? The generator is off. And you go, now you revert back to lanterns and candles. I remember sitting outside on the patio. I had several cousins with me. It was so dark outside that I put my hand directly in front of my face and I was waving it and I couldn't see a thing. My cousins were next to me. They were laughing, cracking jokes. And the most peculiar thing occurred. Someone was walking on the outside of the gate of where I was living. I mean, it's completely dark. I mean, the moon was covered. I don't know if it was a cloudy night. Completely dark. Bla I mean, the blackest dark. I mean, I could only compare it to being in a closet with no ambient light whatsoever. Being in a closet that's in a room that has black curtains and no other light, no alarm clock light, no laptop light or any sort of electrical outlet that may have something on it, just blackness, complete. And I remember I'm sitting out there in wonderment, in, in complete astonishment because I've never been in a place this dark. And I'm putting my hand in front of my face. I'm doing all types of funny stuff to myself, just laughing. I'm a grown-up, like, what the hell's going on? And then one of my cousins goes, hey, what's up, man? How's everything going? And then a guy from across the fence goes, hey, everything is cool. I'm like, wait a minute, who's that? They're like, oh, that's such and such. I'm like, how did you see him? They're like, oh, yeah, I saw him. I'm like, no, 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 how? I had 20-20 vision. How are you seeing him and I don't? He was accustomed to the night. Every one of them. So they're laughing at me. Everyone is having a blast. I'm disturbed because I'm like, wait a minute. I need to know where did you get those bat eyes, cat eyes from? No, it's not that. It was me. Me with my blue lights. Me with my, my iPhones and my laptops and my tablets and my plasma screens. I couldn't even see what was going on right in front of me anymore. My eyes weren't accustomed to that level of darkness. And that's nature. All we, were, we, were, we weren't in a cave or in a cavern or in some coal mine. We were on the patio, outside, hanging out. Because we blew out the lantern or the candle. Then we had the little gasoline lantern thing. Blew that out. We're just outside chilling. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's hanging. My cousins are tapping me on the arm because we got a little little rum. He's like, you, you, you know, and I, I'm feeling for the cup. Boom. Take a sip. Pass it on. Drinking some real Caribbean moonshine. That thing was the strongest liquor I've ever had in my life. It was crazy. I was like, what the heck is this? And they saw everything. I saw nothing. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that because it was the most sensory. Uh, 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 it was almost sensory overload because now I could hear things. Things were going on. I'm listening. I'm hearing things. Guess what? Because now my senses were allowed to explore. And it had my undivided attention. 
There was no screen to distract me, no phone, no, 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 no artificial light, no anything. And I have my cousin sitting directly right next to me on my right-hand side, greeting someone on the outside of the fence who I can't see. And that person sp- says, hey, what's up? And just walk into such and such's house. And I'm going, and that person, I can hear their voice. So my eyes are following their voice because I can't even see, not even a smidgen of a silhouette of this human being. And I'm listening to them. And then finally, my ears start to hear them walking. So I'm looking at that direction and I can start to hear their footsteps a little bit as they're walking off. And I'm going, what in the heck is going on? That was humankind for most of our existence until now. So do you understand now why Aaron Rodgers decided to go on a darkness retreat? And I'm not saying he's doing it for the same reason. He said he needed to clear his head. When he said that, I got it. I was like, got it. I didn't think anything more of it. I thought about the 10-day silent retreat my friend took. I thought about me and my youth when I would just take two, I would take 48 hours off from even using my own vocal cords and take a minute for myself to make sure that my inner dialogue and my outer dialogue were identical. That's what you want that inner voice to sound like your outer voice because you're being so many things to so many different people. You have to ask yourself, who are you? Who am I to me? And so when I got to detox myself from the world and what the world demanded of me, I got me back. And I would do that every couple of months. It would happen several times a year I would do that. It's like the same people go on detox and fast and cleanse from all the things that they ingest, all the things they put into their body, all the metals and the chemicals and the sugars and things. And some people fast every week, one day a week on Sundays. I, have a, I used to fast on Sundays when I was working out at my, most, at, my, at my most fit. I wouldn't eat all day on Sunday and I would have a light, light salad for dinner. Maybe like sometimes I would only have maybe a piece of watermelon like a big piece of watermelon and drink water and go to sleep and wake up Monday morning feeling like I can eat a whole moose whole, like boom, just jump on its back and go hang. That's how hungry I was. But I would do that because I was drinking protein shakes and I was taking, uh, you know, the creatine and, you know, you're, you're stacking and your fitness and, yeah, I, I got to have my branch amino acids. And I was saying to myself, all of this artificial stuff, if it has a barcode and if it comes in a container, it's probably not good for you. So give your body a break. So I would give my endocrine system. I would give my kidneys, my adrenals. I'd give them a Sunday break. We're not eating a thing. We're going to drink water, and then we're going to have a nice big piece of watermelon, uh, you know, in the evening time, and that's it. And that's what I would do. And I felt that it helped because Monday I felt rejuvenated. I felt great. I was starving on Sunday, but I felt okay. I would use Sunday just to watch football. And sometimes I'd actually still go to the gym, and I would spend that whole time stretching. Not one exercise. Just stretch and drink water. Drink a fortified lemon water with honey, maybe maybe a little ginger, something like that. And that's it. That's all I'd have. But that was my way of detoxing myself from all the things that I was ingesting. So with all the information people are ingesting, how are they detoxing themselves mentally and spiritually? How are they doing it? You may need to take a 10-day, you may need to take a two days off from using your voice and using your technology and just say, you know what? I'm not even going to read. 
I'm not going to do anything. People are going to say, what does that even look like? Guess what? Go back to your youths if you're over 30. If you're over 30, go back to your youth. What did you used to do? What did nothing look like? What did nothing look like? What did, I'm not going to read anything. I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm not going to watch anything. What did that look like? Maybe you went for a walk. Maybe you went for a bike ride. Maybe you did go to the gym and you put on some noise-canceling headphones with no music in it. And you're not listening to anybody's music. You're not watching anybody's television. You're not listening to anyone's platform. And all you're doing is saying, I'm going to focus on my body. Maybe I'm going to spend the whole weekend meditating. Spend the whole weekend just stretching. I'll spend it walking. And you tell the world, your world, you go, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit off the grid right now. I'm taking a second. Oh, all right, cool, cool, cool. Just wanted to let you know just so you don't, you know, reach out. Don't think that I'm ignoring you. You give people a warning that are used to being connected with you, and you do it. Do it for yourself. Maybe you can do it for, for a day. Maybe do it for eight hours. Maybe you get home from work or wherever from school and say, you know what? I'm not, and I'm saying don't go to sleep. That's the key. Don't just go to sleep and say, you know what, I'm just going to sleep. No, 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 no. Walk. Don't bring the phone. Don't bring the phone. Don't bring the headphones. Don't bring anything. Just walk. Listen to the world around you. Don't look at your phone. Don't do anything. Just, just, just enjoy how it feels to have one foot in front of the other or get on your bicycle or something or go around a track if you live near a track. I used to do that sometimes. There was this one track in, in, in one of the neighborhoods I used to live in when I used to live out in Long Island for a while. And there was a track by one of the high, high schools. Um, and I would walk that track. And I'd walk it for hours. And I, all I had was water with me. And then after that, I would go to the pizza shop that was across the street from the track and then bring that little pizza box back to the little track area because they had a couple of little benches and bleachers. And I would just sit out there and eat a couple of slices. And it was just me and nature. No one really used that track. Most of the time I was out there, I was the only person there, even though it was broad daylight, daytime. Sometimes it was winter. Sometimes it was warmer, maybe springtime. And I would, and I would use that track. And I didn't do a thing. I had no phone on me, no anything. And, guaranteed, and you know what I was getting? I was getting time t for me. I wasn't looking for any heavy revelations, no clarity. Oh, I'm looking for my own burning bush moment. Just, just, just me. Not, not ingesting any information or any stimuli that the world had to offer. The, the, the artificial world. It's like, it's, even though I'm on a track, I'm looking at a tree, I'm listening to birds. I'm seeing this squirrel trying to creep up on my crust, back up, and that's it. Yes, I'm listening to cars pass by and honking of horns and that, but I'm having a moment to myself, and I would do that for hours. And a lot of people didn't understand that about me. Till today, they don't. They go, oh, June, yeah, you know, ex-girlfriend, certain friends. They're like, yeah, June is, June is kind of moody. June's not moody. Yes, I'm moody. I have several different kinds of moods, yes. <laughs> Just because some of those moods don't include you, don't make me moody. <laughs> it doesn't make me moody because you're not included in some of my moods. There's certain moods where I say, I don't want to be around you or anybody else. Respectfully. It's not a knock. It's nothing you've done. It's me. It's not you. That's why. Hearing people 
whose job is to squawk in a microphone and scream about nothing. Nothing that they say adds any value to my sports watching experience. There's not one sportscaster, not one commentator that can deliver an experience even in the same vicinity as watching Aaron Rodgers throw the football to a wide receiver or a tight end in his Green Bay Packers uniform as the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers wearing number 12. There's not one person speaking about a sport that can evoke any, anywhere near the vicinity of the same wonderment, the same imagination, and capture the same emotion as watching someone play. You can't talk about LeBron enough to make what LeBron does you can't talk about him in a way that makes that can compare to what he does. What he does is remarkable. What you're saying is unremarkable. What Aaron Rodgers does is remarkable. What you're saying about Aaron Rodgers is unremarkable. What Mayweather or this one does is remarkable. What you say about them and your critique of this person is very unremarkable. You're not even the greatest at what you do. And what you do is you're a weapon of mass distraction and detraction and subtraction. You look to detract and distract. That's what you do with agendas. So when you're in, a, when you're, when you're in the dark, because guess what? They're paymasters that need us to watch them because our eyes and our ears leads to more revenue because they get to charge more for the commercial space and the commercial ad time. The last thing that this corporate consumer society wants us to do is blackout. The last thing they want us to do is not include this grid in things that we're doing. So it's, it's so like I said, I pay attention to what's said and what's unsaid. The very last thing that sports talk radio and sports television wants is for us to be in a black room by ourselves with no electricity and no television. That means we can't watch them. That means those commercial ads get devalued because there are less eyes and ears tuning into that rhetoric. And those people don't get to make as much money as the athletes that, ca that capture our imagination anymore. Got bring them down to size as the weapon of mass distraction that they are. The more ayahuasca we drink, the more off the grid we are, the more hiking we do, the more walking on a track that we do without a phone in our hand, without clicking like, dislike, commenting, sharing, and viewing, the less money they make. Because that's all you are. You're a viewer, you're a liker, you're a sharer, you're a YouTuber, you're a TikTok, you're a viewer, you're a podcaster, you're a commentator. So us deciding to go off the grid and be in rooms where there's none of that, that's antithetical to the system that we're in. It's the enemy of the system that we're in. No Wi-Fi? He doesn't have his phone, so he's not going to be tuning in. What if other people decide to do that? What if he starts a trend? What if now all of a sudden a bunch of darkness retreats start propping up all over the damn country and people just want to black out and not. What? No, we can't have that. What if people start creating dark rooms for themselves? Like like instead of a sauna or instead of a fitness room or instead of a man cave, you have a dark room where you just stay there for the weekend. 
So that means you're not watching this, you're not viewing that, you're not clicking on that, you're not purchasing anything. You're just there. Your consumerized system, your mechanized system that wants to bombard you with as much information as possible so you get further and further away from you and get closer and closer to them because that's what it is. Every time you're watching something, you're watching it on a mega multinational corporation. That's what you're watching. You're not watching your favorite person on TikTok or YouTube or this one. You're accessing a multinational corporation that is monitoring your trends, your likes and dislikes, so they can cater more material to you so you can keep liking and disliking. And that's the loop and that's the cycle. So when Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley execs who created this uh, a, a monster that we're in decide that they don't want their kids having cell phones and smartphones or smartphones until they're 15, 16 years old. Because these parents are multimillionaires. These parents are one percenters, two percenters, 10 percenters who have access to all the information, all the behaviorologists, sociologists, psychologists, all the mental health professionals saying that, yes, this is rerouting their neural synapses. This right here is manipulating how their minds actually grow and how they mature. So to have your child mature more organically, like we have for the last 200,000 years, you might want to save them from, might want to save the whole cell phone, smartphone thing. Get them a phone that has emergency contacts, a low-tech phone. And save the smartphone stuff for when they actually finish their college transcripts. There are parents right now saying that, listen, my kid's not getting a smartphone till they turn 18. As a matter of fact, where I am located right now, I have a very good friend, person that I met, who's, a, who's a, an entrepreneur, a, serial real, uh, it's a real estate owner, serial restaurant owner, just into a lot of different businesses, successful, has three beautiful kids, and one of them just turned 18. That kid got a cell phone, a smartphone. That's what they got. That's what they received. Not a car, smartphone. Do you hear what I just said? 18 years old, what's your gift? Oh, I'll get you that new Galaxy, whatever you want. Didn't have one. Their whole 17, 18 years on the earth. They had a regular low-tech phone, and it was just and, – and, and the logic behind uh, my friend was, what the heck do they need all of that on their phone for? Their job is to go to school. Their job is to do their, their, their chores. Their job is to do their hobbies and, and, um, and, and do the extracurricular activities that we all sanctioned. That's it. This phone, what's this phone for? What's this big – the phone's to call me. The phone's, the phone's to have my number, my wife's number, her brother's number – and for us to call. And when we call, she picks up. That's it. 18, you want to have that now? You know, she's a good girl. She's got straight A's. She's got scholarships. She's doing great. Okay, yeah. Now you can have a smartphone. But you've, imbe you've, in you've, in you've ingrained and imbued 18 years of a particular formula. I'm pretty sure she's not going to fall off the rails now. Getting a cell phone now. It's, uh, it's not going to be like a, a bump of cocaine where it's like, oh, now, whew, now she's off the rails. It's not what's going to happen. She, she had a very full life in dance and athletics. She was cheerleading, a whole full life. 
that didn't consist of having to, f- to see who was doing what online. Just saying, people, we've had this conversation before, and I've said it. There are many topics that, that, that have been revisited out of the 100-plus episodes that we have. There have been topics that have been revisited. There's a reason. There's certain fundamental lessons. Like I said, if you pull the yawn, the yarn of this show, there's a common thread. There are certain common threads, and this is one of them. How we interact with ourselves, with each other, how that's changed over the last two, three, four decades. What does that mean? Who profits? Who benefits? Who, who's taking advantage and who's left at a disadvantage based on this grid? Who wins? That's all you got to ask. Who wins if I'm constantly swiping, liking, and sharing? It ain't me. It's not you. It's not your family. It's not your friends. It's not your loved ones. Oh, it's that platform I'm using. It's not even the person that I'm liking and sharing. They barely benefit. If you get a half a million views on YouTube, that's only maybe two, three grand. Are you kidding me? For 500,000 people tuning in, you get a couple of, well, it's one of the reasons why I'm not on YouTube. I'm not giving away that much content for free just to get a paltry couple of grand. It's not happening. I'll try to figure out a way to monetize it on my own. Thank you very much. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say is who profits and who wins? And who would be mad at Aaron Rodgers deciding to get off the grid for a while to get his mind focused and clear? Why is that not applauded? Why is that not applauded? It's not applauded. Who's not applauding it? Oh, people that are people that need me to tune in. People that are at a disadvantage the more I spend time with myself in darkness figuring out what I, what my truth is, not the prescribed truth, but my truth that I ascribe to. You understand? I just wanted to go off on that little tangent. I hope it helped. I don't know. It's just something that I felt I needed to speak about because sports and life, they're analogous. You know, people think that sports is an escape from the actual realities on the ground, and it's not. It's absolutely not that. It is ingrained and it's a part of who we are, how America treats its sports, who gets paid, who doesn't, who's liked, who's disliked, Who's put on a pedestal? Who's knocked off their pedestal? Who's celebrated? Who's applauded and who's lauded for what and why? Who's called a class act, which is the most cringeworthy phrase in, in American sports discourse. The class act, the unselfish, all of these terms. That one's a problem. Issues, not a team player. You're not allowed to be an artist. You're not allowed to, when you start acting off or off grid, this is what it turns into. But you know those darkness retreats and things like that? If you lived in a village, in an agrarian village, somewhere in a brown country, they do that all the time. There are a lot of coming of age, and we're going to have a conversation about coming of age, probably the next episode. We're going to have a conversation about adolescence to adulthood. And why we need to shorten adolescence now more than ever. And, but many coming of age uh, rituals have to deal with isolation. There's a certain level of isolation where, where, where a boy becomes a man or a girl becomes a woman. 
there's a moment of isolation where she's learning about herself and he's learning about himself during their pubescent stage. This is very important times in our lives. And these times are our neural synapses where we are changing as human beings. The way we see the world and the way the world sees us changes. This is not a time to be hooked up to the grid and social media when your body's changing and your mind is changing and you're going through dysmorphia and you're going through these changes. I remember girls in my class that were going through different kind of changes and it hurt. Their changes hurt them because their bodies were stretching and growing in different ways. Last thing these girls need to see are all these different kind of body images that make them feel more insecure at a time when they may still feel just like a 10 or 11 year old girl, but now their body's changing and people are looking at them differently. It's like, wait, why is everybody treating me like I'm just a little kid? Not according to biology now. All these things are important. And it's the same thing when you go from being anonymous to famous. Why is everybody looking at me differently? I'm the same person. No, you're not. You're richer and you're more popular. That means you're different. That means you're here and we're all over there. But no, nah, I just want to be with you. No, 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 you can't just walk into the Walmart now. You can't just walk into Starbucks and be like, yo, let me get that, uh, you know, the, the grande, super grande, lava grande macchiato with the extra. You can't just do that. Can't just can't just walk around like, wait a minute. People will look to hold me for ransom <laughs> wait, or bombard me. You don't just get to be you anymore. Things change and the world changes around you. How do you figure out what that means to you? How do you become a master of that and learn how to manage that? You might have to take a couple of steps away. Coming of age, coming of age ceremonies in many, many different cultures, that person is isolated to a certain degree. And then there's an elder that's coaching them through this isolation period. So I applaud Mr. Aaron Rodgers, number 12 of the Green Bay Packers. I applaud him for that. I applaud him for, I applaud him for, um, for going on these journeys. They're not easy. Many people think about doing them, but thinking about doing them and actually executing them are two different things. I applaud him for, and I applaud him for actually divulging it. That, to me, took a certain amount. I think he's trying to let everyone know I'm different from you. Maybe he's doing it for arrogant reasons or not. I don't know. I know it makes for great yap yap. Look at me. I think I'm going on almost two hours talking about this. And people have been speaking about it on television for a while. And, I, and, and the reason why I know that is because I've been listening to the different commentaries and just waiting for that one person to be like, you know what? Good for him. He wants to get off the grid and get away from all of this nonsense. Good for him. We all should have a moment like that where we go to, and people weren't doing that. They were like, oh, well, yeah, he owes the Green Bay Packers this, that, and the third, and blah, 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 and he should be, and, and he, he's holding them on. And But it was all about ridiculing him. Oh, he's in a dark room, and blah, blah, blah. Why didn't he just turn off the lights in his mansion? And it's like, ah, oh, ridicule, absurd. Okay, cool, good enough. But I understand their survival depends on people not taking darkness retreats and silent retreats and going off the grid and drinking different teas and inhaling different things that take them far away from this, that make this world that we live in absolutely absurd because that's what it does. It diminishes this 
thing that we're in and it and then we explore this other thing something completely different than this that's informing us that what we're going through is absurd that the things that we worry about and the things that we're watching and the things that we're invested in are absurd it's the last thing the grid wants the grid needs us on the grid they need us barcoded and contained and if you don't think you're barcoded and contained, almost every single app you have on your phone, every single thing you've downloaded has you barcoded and contained. It knows your IP address. It knows where you are. You've used a credit card. You've used an email address. You are barcoded and contained. Trust me. You don't want to think of yourself that way. I get it. I understand. My apologies. But everything around us is trying to get us to be like something on the shelves. Those very same items that we pick off of a shelf and it goes beep. And we say, that's the price. That's you right now. They figured out the price of the average viewer, the average listener, the average person that's liking and disliking. And, and they've said, okay, this is how we're going to sell this person as an item to advertising companies. And that's what we are. You have been contained and barcoded. You are in a container. This is your demographic. You are a male. You're a female or other here is your race. Here is your, uh, your annual salary. Here's your education level. Here's your location. You've been contained. That's your container. Beep. So if you decide to go into these dark rooms and go hiking, you're no longer beep. That's the problem. I want everyone out there to have a moment where no one can just contain them. Where you can't be contained controlled barcoded and checked off that's what i want for each and every one of you so what do i want for myself and i'm taking steps along those lines one of them is getting another phone and i've been saying it i'm going to do it this year probably by the summer a low-tech phone so the same number i have you know that's what it's going to be on that's the reason why a lot of my friends, are, I send a lot of audio messages to people because I want people at least to hear my voice. If they're busy and they can't just speak, you know, you know, take a time out to, to have a phone conversation with me or whatever, I leave people messages. It was peculiar at first. People thought it was strange. I know. But it was my way of saying, I want to hear from you. I, I, wanna, I, I want you to hear me. There's no way that these alphanumeric letters are going to be able to evoke the kind of emotion that my voice can. For me to truly communicate with you the way I want to, you're going to have to hear me. I would rather be around most of these people, but if, if I can't be next to you, if I can't be in front of you, if I can't be in your physical presence, at the very least, let me give you my vocal presence. At the very least, hear me. That's why I send people audio, oh, what's up, what's going on, just saying what's up, blah, 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 blah. I do that all the time with my close friends. They hear my voice and then they and guess what? They've all gotten to the habit of doing that for me, too. And I enjoy it because then I get to hear them and I get to hear them in their environment and I get to hear the tone of their voice. You get a, you get a, you get a, a, a sound of their soul, so to speak, if there is such a thing. And that's important. I consider it. I consider it. I consider it. Absolutely essential to maintain these human connections essential this technology is supposed to be bringing us closer so i don't want it to further away with texts and 
you know, no, I want to leave you long messages. I want to, I want to hear your voice. You hear mine. That's the very least of our connection as human beings. I don't want this 200,000 year human experiment just to turn into AirPods that are attached to, to our earlobe. And then sometimes we can get them surgically enhance ourselves to have our technology just be a part of us all the time. Because guess what? I've been reading the journals, people. I've been reading the journals. We're right there, not around the corner. This isn't five years away. Let me put it to you this way. If you started high school, if you start high, if you're in high school right now as a freshman, before you get to college, before you're a senior, you will have certain augmented technology that, that is just attached to you. You don't have to take it off. You won't have to take off the thing. You will be the Bluetooth device and, and all that comes with that. The cancers, the sicknesses, the anxiety of, of taking it off. I was connected. Then you're going to be sitting there across from some you know daytime talk show host with their hands folded and leaning towards you with this look of empathy and concern while you tell the story of how you were addicted to your AI technology that you've surgically uh, attached to yourself. Yeah, that sounds crazy to you. Really? Have you taken a look at what people are doing to surgically enhance themselves these days? Okay. Don't go look it up. Don't take my word for it. Go look at the studies. The studies are out there. Look, go and do your own research and see how close we are to just saying, you know what? I don't want to have to take this AirPod out of my ear all the time. And that's going to be the commercial. Are you tired of taking your AirPod out of your ear? Are you tired of putting your cell phone just down on a charger? How about you just shove it up your rectum and then you can just charge yourself up? Yeah, now we can charge your own phone. You can call it the my phone. So you and your phone become one. You know, so all you have to do is say, call such and such, and then beep, 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 beep. Yeah, just shove it up there, charge it up, my phone. Just for $12.99 and four easy payments of $3,800, you too can have my phone. Sounds crazy, right? Until it happens. Everything sounds crazy until it becomes normal, right? But on that note, yes, the next episode, we're going to speak about certain things that are going to revert back to this. But we're going to talk about who we are now, adolescence to adulthood. You see what's going on in the news. You see what's going on with kids. We had the episode July 4th, Is America Failing Its Boys? We had that in July 4th, 2022. We're going to speak about certain things. Things haven't changed. Things are getting, things are, things are hairy. Things are getting quite scary if you're someone who's under the age of 18 right now. And now look what's going on on college campuses. Hello, Michigan. Are we doing anything about this, people? We're going to talk about it. Thank you guys for tuning in. And again, like I said, if you like what we do here, please feel free. Our cash app is dollar sign Junebo. Venmo is Junebo. And our Zelle is Junya Bobrun at gmail.com. Until we speak again.